Welcome to the Fake Baseball Podcast. I am Blake Meyer. Many of you may know me from the Baseball Money is Fake Podcast. I have branched out and starting something new with the Fake Baseball Podcast. And with me now is my new co-host, Dylan Lydell. How are you doing today, Dylan? Man, Blake, I'm excited to do this with you, man. But uh, in general, though, I'm not going to lie. It is pretty tough to be talking about baseball right now with what's been going on with our boys this past month. Um, But I I am very excited to get this going with you. And, you know, there's other stuff that we can be talking about to get our minds of off what our team's doing. So um, let's, let's get into it. Yeah, dude, the, the Mariners have been, it's to say it's been a roller coaster would be an understatement because to go from winning 21 games in the month of August to now just not knowing how to play winning baseball in September when it fucking counts. Uh, it, to say it hurts my heart is an understatement as well. Like it just sucks, dude. Like watching the, mm. uh, the brand of baseball we're putting out there because our pitching is so good. Our lineup, I'm biased, but it's so good when it's clicking. And just to see everything fall apart all at the same time and, and go from leading the division to who knows if we make the playoffs hurts. You have to win the next two. You just do not have a choice now that the games are worth a full game. They're not mm-hmm. half games. They're worth a full game. You're getting down to it. The pressure's on. You have to win tonight, worry about tonight only, work it into tomorrow, take care of tomorrow, but tonight's first. But, uh, yeah, it, it's been a tough go. What do you What do you think the problems are? Well, what's, what's been going on? I have my ideas. Uh, the bull- I think it's uh, the bullpen for me is probably the biggest thing. Uh, I was okay trading Seawald away. I don't think keeping Seawald would have necessarily changed much because – it feels like the bullpen as a whole is kind of not doing it. Sacedo, I love him, but he's been good in spurts, mm-hmm. which hurts. <clears throat> Topa has been good, but he's been giving up runs as well. I don't think Andres Munoz has had a feel of his slider for like three months now, and he doesn't have a very good fastball outside of it going 103 miles an hour. Past one week, two weeks, and it wasn't there for a while. Yeah. And then Brash, who's – my favorite Mariners pitcher. I will love him even when he sucks. He's been the most unlucky relief pitcher in baseball. He has the <laughs> highest BABIP against of any reliever in baseball. He has the most appearances of any pitcher in baseball. That yeah, stuff is disgusting. Tough. But he's being overused and it's kind of exposing him as well. So for me, it's the bullpen. It's it's fatigue. I think it's not only the bullpen, but having the young bucks too throwing as many innings as they have been throwing. I mean, it's not only Wu and uh, Miller. Gilbert and Kirby still haven't thrown this many innings as well. I mean, or stacked on top of last year as well. Mm-hmm. Like, it's been a long two-year stretch for those two and the rookies on top of that. And it comes down to the bullpen having to be used earlier in games too. And that just – that wore them down towards the end, I think. We didn't have that problem last year. And missing Robbie yeah. Ray, like – Take it for what it is. He'll give you a good start, a great start here and there. He'll give up his bombs, but shit, he ate up innings, and that's that's what I think a big a, a big toll is right now. 
Yeah, I, I agree. And like the Mariners bullpen was so deep last year, they like they didn't even use yeah. Eric Swanson in the playoffs. And now he's yeah. one of the and better relievers nasty. for the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it we didn't even use him in the playoffs, which is well. Granted, the Mariners didn't make some crazy deep playoff run. It'd have been usable, but mm-hmm. usable. We got to talk a little fantasy baseball. Let's do it. Well, yep, because that's kind of our thing. Uh, the one thing that we re- really wanted to get into for this first episode would be it'd be two things. We'll talk about the second player later, uh, but the first one would be. This has been such a big year for rookies, especially in fantasy baseball, and especially rookies that are making big impacts, that now that the majority of fantasy leagues are over, uh, we're into like the last week or so of the season, we can start looking ahead to 2024 while also kind of looking back at what's happened in 2023. So we want to highlight a few of, of the the rookies that we think could have a decent impact in the fantasy baseball world next year and the first one for me right out of the gate uh i gotta say nolan jones dude he's been unreal uh, he got called up earlier this year weren't really sure how it was gonna go he's a power guy in the minors playing in colorado it's kind of the the magic combo to being good um he had his ups and downs, but in his last like 45 games, including the first game of the doubleheader today, 25 extra base hits, hitting over 300, stole 10 bases. He's got a almost 15% walk rate, and he's hitting the hell out of the ball. Uh, his barrel rate in that time frame is 18.5%. Average exit velocity, 89 miles an hour. I'd like to see it a little higher, but... Yeah. He's also hit two home runs over 470 feet this year, which he's one of the only players in baseball to do that. What kind of impact do you think Nolan Jones can have next season? Um, I think it's pretty apparent. If you're bringing up a power guy in Colorado, there's always upside there. And the fact that he's already shown it so early, he went on a good run at the end of the year. I think that's good momentum for him going into next season. And like you said, the pop is legit going 470 twice, and he's one of only how many players to do that? Two, you said? A handful. Just a handful, yeah. A handful. Maybe okay, not sorry even Sorry about two. that. Yeah, right. So oh, legit pop playing in Colorado. We'll see what happens in the offseason if they can bolster the offense and get him some more uh, some more guys to drive in. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know what there's not to be excited about. Yeah, that getting him more guys to drive in is going to kind of be the hard part since, I mean, they got rid of Crone. They got rid of all their other kind of impact bats that they had there. They've called up some other good guys. Uh, Goodman is going to be good, no pun intended, uh, there. He's going to be really good next year. Ezekiel Tovar, I was high on him coming into the yeah. year. And while he didn't really like kind of live up to the standards I had set for him. He still had a good year overall. I wish he stole a few more bases. Uh, but that's the tough part because in those 44 games, he drove in 30 or 45 games. He drove in 30 runs, which is great. But a lot of that has come from his own, his own doing like the, the 10 yeah. runs in that time frame. There's a third of his RBIs just driving in himself over, yeah. over that 45 games. So I did do a lot 
lot of thinking about it earlier today, uh, kind of looking forward to 2024. And he really feels like a guy that's going to be drafted in the 100 to 120 range in 2024 that has big upside. Uh, guys like that this last year were Christian Yelich. I think his ADP was 117. Mm-hmm. This last year, he had a massive year. So I think Nolan Jones, he could he could go a little later than that, maybe like 150, 160. That's a good call. But the stolen bases is not something... Yeah, and if he can do that, because I wasn't expecting the stolen bases out of him this year, and Yelich stole a bunch of bases this year and hit yeah a good amount He's of runs. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I think yeah, I think it could be a good a good combo there. Uh, I hear you. Next guy on the list, though, we got to go with uh, from our own division, the American League West. Zach, which one? Giloff. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Giloff, second baseman for the soon-to-be Las Vegas Athletics. I almost said Raiders. Got to, got to get used to that. But yeah. Giloff for the soon-to-be Las Vegas Athletics. Again, same kind of question to you: like, what kind of player do you think he can be next year? And did he impress you this season? Um, with the numbers he put up, 270, 13 bombs, just under 30 RBIs, over 850 OPS, 14 bags. Um, he used the whole field. I think that's a lot to like. Um, I, I do get the appeal of pulled baseballs, but using the whole field is still appealing to me. Um, but mm-hmm. there's still adjustments to be made. Um, his launch angle degree or launch angle is only at 12 degrees. I'd like to see that go up a little bit more, hit the ball in the air. Um, line drive yeah. percent or uh, line drive 27%. You know, that's not too bad. Um, <laughs> that'll, that'll get it done. Um, pull percent. Yeah. 46%. That's not bad, but just kind of the same thing about, um, Nolan Jones as well is I think he's a good player. There's a lot to like with Giloff, but can he get help to surround him? Because I mm-hmm. think teams will start to learn that if he's the only problem that they got to deal with in the lineup, they'll just pitch around him and worry about everybody else. It's really that like these guys need support to do work themselves. Yeah. Uh, I think the way I'm going to have the most upside for him probably in 2024, or the, the path to the most upside for me uh, looking at him would be is if Oakland bats Estieri Ruiz one and Giloff two next year. Uh, I mean, Ruiz, you can swing it. Yeah. Two, yeah. Hitters where, two is where you got your best bat usually. Yeah. That's and a good spot somebody him. like Ruiz who gets on base at a good clip. I wish he hadn't spent so much time on the injured list this year because I wanted mm-hmm. to see him steal. He could steal 80 to 90 bases. Yeah. Yeah. No sure. I think he has like 60 and he's missed a bunch of games. So somebody like him who does a good job of hitting up, getting on base hits for a good average. Okay. Walk rate, but it's just an automatic. Any single is automatically a double. Cause he's probably going to steal mm-hmm. second mm-hmm. or even third. That is going to lead to so many counting stats for Giloff mm-hmm. next season. And he has that those 14 home runs, the 13 stolen bases, or whatever. The, it might be opposite of that, 13 and 14. 13 bombs. Get a yeah. good amount of doubles. 
the part that impressed me though. So he's hitting 323 off of fastballs, only 182 off of off speed pitches, but his expected batting average on off speed pitches is 270. So, so he's just hitting me right at Very lucky. Yeah, very unlucky, and he's got a good eye for the fastball still. So if that ticks up even <clears throat> 20 points and he gets to the Mendoza line, <clears throat> all of a sudden we'll say that's five, six, seven more points on his batting average. He's on base more. He scores more runs, steals some more bases. He's a good doubles guy. I really do agree with you on the launch angle. If he could get closer to 15 or 16 degrees, I think he could be a 20 to 25 home run over the course of a season yeah. second baseman, which – is huge because not, there's not a lot of second basemen that do that. You got Simeon, Albies, Muncy, Jazz. If Jazz yeah, can stay healthy enough to, to, to play enough Not a whole lot of them. Yeah. You don't get uh, those Al- kind of numbers at that position. Yeah, and uh, not to go on like a little like side tangent, but the amount of home runs Ozzy Albies has hit this year is ridiculous. And yeah. Jazz Chisholm, despite the injuries, has put up numbers that put him on a 40-40 pace for – 162 games, which is wild. I, I hope that dude can stay healthy. <laughs> He's exciting, man. Uh, so another guy from our, our rival division here, the American League West, that I wanted to cover would be Evan Carter for the Texas Rangers. Uh, he is somebody that kind of came up at the end of the year. He had a little fantasy relevance this year because I think he came up beginning of September, not that far into September. Uh, so far at the major league level, he's played 17 games. So he, he's had a good little run. But God damn, has it been impressive uh, in that time frame, hitting 326 with eight extra base hits, three stolen bases, scored 13 runs. And he's got a 16% walk rate, which I absolutely love. Somebody that can be that young and had that good of an eye for the ball isn't something that you necessarily see that often. And granted, it's a small sample size. It is only 17 games. Uh, but one thing I always like to point out is small sample sizes are what you make of them. Uh, if you want a small sample size that looks good to be good, you can make it good. Uh, if you want a small sample size that looks good to be bad, you can find something in that small sample size that makes it look bad. For me, I think walk rate, even in a small sample size correlates. If you have a 16% walk rate through 17 games to start your year, you're probably a guy that can have a pretty good walk rate over the course of the year. Now, 17%, that puts him up to like Juan Soto level. Uh, I don't think he is that. But in 97 games at double A uh, this year, excuse me, he had a 16% walk rate. Uh, at 100 games in 2022 at high A ball, he had a 13% walk rate. So it's doable. Hitting in that Texas lineup obviously helps. Do you think he gets a prominent enough batting spot in the batting lineup next season to continue a run like this for the 2024 season? Adolis is a lock in the outfield. Mm-hmm. Ezekiel Duran was on the scene early. He fell off dramatically. I had him, dropped him. Um, centerfield. You have uh, Travaris, correct? Yeah. So Travaris. And then, I mean, say say he finishes the regular season on a good note, helps them out in the playoffs. I think there's there's definitely an open spot 
and there should be competition for him to find one of those outfield spots. And if he can, in that offense, he's protected all the way across the board, unlike the first two guys we've talked about. He's got all that protection that you would want. Um, he's got insane speed. He uses all fields. Um, his launch angle is only at 10 degrees. He's got pop, but you would like to maybe see him get down there a little bit, uh, a little bit more right around that 15 degrees or so. Um, but number that's still sticking out to me is the 1.125 OPS. That's insane. That, yeah, that's working. Yeah. uh, And up to this point, he's pretty much, he's kind of bouncing around in that batting lineup a little bit. Not really. He's batting three, four. He's got a five sprinkled in there. He batted second the other day. So I wasn't expecting to see him called up and hitting in the heart of what was arguably at one point they were the best offense in baseball. I really wanted to talk about uh, Tampa Bay for much of the season early on, but Texas actually had a better offensive lineup by the numbers and by the counting stats. And to see him in the middle of a division wildcard playoff race, consistently batting, Second, third, fourth at 21 years old for the that's encouraging the Texas Rangers. That yeah, not that tells us. me something right there. Not, yeah, Mariners not for fans. the Mariners, fuck no, not for the Mariners. But, but if, for if other they can reasons, find a way to, yeah, for other reasons, it's encouraging. <laughs> that's that's what gets so hard about doing like these ep- like episodes where we're talking about fantasy baseball and stuff like that because I have to try so hard to put my biases aside. Even though uh, like, I got yeah, work on it myself. Oh, I know like, that. I, I hear though. you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so hard. I do like Elof though. Yeah, yeah. I can't lie. He he was fun to watch when he came up. On a shitty that, team just going to I, work. I can yeah, That's the one that. thing I've tried to be good at. Like I, I like players. I won't root for the teams. Never gonna root for Oakland or Houston or Texas. Unless it's like a hey, they have to beat so and they got to beat Toronto when we we make it that third wild card spot, then I might. But outside of that, I don't root for teams. But I'll root for some players though. Like I like Bo Bichette for Toronto, but I don't like the Toronto Blue Jays. I like Gilaf for yeah. Oakland. Not an Oakland A's fan. Not. At I all. hate to say it. I fucking love Jordan Alvarez, but I cannot stand the Houston <laughs> Astros. But I'll watch every You're every good. Jordan at bat I can on the MLB at bat app. Not a sponsor. But yeah, so <laughs> to Evan Carter, um, we're going to get more into our rankings for next season on these guys the farther we get into the podcast. But uh, I think he is going to fall in kind of that same Nolan Jones area for me next year. Although I could see Evan Carter going closer to the 200 <laughs> slot for, for his average draft position. That's just because of the going to sample him- size? Yeah, uh, yeah, and the kind of uncertainty of where he's going to bat in the lineup next year. Like, Obviously, they're finding spots for him right now in the middle of a playoff race, which is very encouraging. That's something that you'll want to pay attention to from now and into the playoffs and see how he does in the playoffs and kind of monitor in the offseason. But that puts him in the sleeper category. For me, anybody going past pick 160 that I think can finish as like a top – 12 at the position guy kind of falls into a sleeper spot for me. 
Bellinger was was a little bit later than that this past year, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, was, Belly he was, was going. He was he was like back to back with Yelich. They were yeah. right in that one one ten to one twenty eighty uh, oh, okay. range. Yeah. So oh, never mind. Never mind. Okay. Bo- well, both of them. Both of them oh, ended up being actually too. no. Bellinger Bellinger was a little later than that. I think Bellinger was about one forty. Okay. He was right, there just because right. all the years had been so bad. Some uh, reason I thought right, right. I was thinking he was around the one seventy one eighty range for some reason. But it, I mean, even then, picks like that end up being yeah. But good. he was insane this year. He had a great season. Yeah, shit. If if some of these other guys weren't balling out, he he could win MVP. I bet he still yeah. gets a couple like third place, fourth place, fifth place MVP yeah. votes this year. So. Bounce back belly was real this year. Hell yeah. Uh, next guy we got to cover. I'm not going to lie. This was like my favorite rookie coming into the year. This uh, was your guy. This was your guy. And if, if, if you guys listened to uh, baseball money is fake, especially leading up to the 2023 season. Uh, if you read any of my work over at fantasy pros, you would know that I fucking love Jordan Walker and I love to cuss. So y'all got to deal with it. But coming into this year, my biggest comp for Jordan Walker, it sounds ridiculous with that extra context, but my biggest comp for Jordan Walker was Julio Rodriguez. Don't shut the podcast off because I said that. I'm not saying Jordan Walker was going to be a, a 30 home run, 30 stolen base guy in his second year that's going to finish top three in MVP voting most likely. I was saying Jordan Walker was a uh Last or coming into this year, a 20 year old guy that hadn't played above the double A level at the time, um, got called up to the major leagues, had all of this hype, killed it in spring training. And I was dead set that he was going to finish top 10 at the position at third base. (laughs) Now, that didn't necessarily happen because he had a good start to the year. He hit like 270 to start the year, but the problem was there was no pop. And in that Cardinals lineup that was supposed to be really good that didn't end up being very good, he needed some pop, and it just wasn't there. He got sent down to the minors. Uh, they wanted him to work on his launch angle and work on getting the ball up in the air more, Yeah, and it didn't yeah. work out. He was pre- really pressing at the plate when, you went, when he got sent down. It wasn't working, and then he stopped doing that, stopped trying to get lift on the ball, and all of a sudden he was hitting the hell out of the ball again. And, I mean, it worked over the the last part of the season uh tons of multi-hit games since july a handful of home runs batting over 300 i think he's closer to 315 to end out the season so the upside is still there i think i may have just been a year early but how how are you feeling about the end of the season that jordan walker was able to put together um yeah, uh, we we definitely saw what he can be. Uh, Julio Comp, there might be a different one out there. Uh, I'm not sure if he's quite or has the um, athletic profile Julio does. That's fair. Um, yeah, yeah, that's fair. But there, there's 30, 40 home run potential in him. I don't know if there's 30 bags there, um, but the pop is legit. That will always play. And if the Cardinals just decide to keep that core around with Goldschmidt, Arenado, bring him in, 
they bounce back and they throw this guy on top of it with how he finished, Cardinals could be a bounce back team that uh, that we could see coming. The thing that threw me off about him was um, his splits. He did way better against righties than he did lefties. And I just will never understand that. Just when I hit right-handed in <laughs> baseball, I always saw the lefties better. And if he can figure out a way to balance it out where he can hit lefties a little bit more, man, if he's already got righties down, there's there's no there's no telling what he can do. But he hasn't had as many plate appearances against lefties, to be fair. Yeah. Um, so but I'll I'll I don't know. He's an elite prospect. Um, he's just he's got massive upside, he's versatile, and it's the launch angle. If he can get the launch angle up there too, he's gonna be he's gonna be up there with the 30, 40 home runs. Yeah, I mean since August 9th, hitting 301 with 14 extra base hits, scored 20, drove in 19. K rate down to 23%, yeah. which I really like to see. That was another big thing for him. He was kind of striking out a lot early on. Uh, and he got his walk rate up to 12% too. So if you take that out over the course of a season, that's a good season. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a that's a top 10 third base season for fantasy baseball. I know he has third base and outfield eligibility, which I love a guy that has dual yeah. eligibility, especially if they can sneak outfield well, in there. Yeah, the versatility, yeah. Yeah, just the more opportunity you have to plug somebody like that into your lineup, the better. Mm-hmm. He really strikes me as a guy that could be, I mean, he could hit 280 with 25 home runs next year, Next year, maybe sneak in 35, 35 doubles also. And if the Cardinals could be good around him, he could drive in 80. That's yeah. a, that right there that's is a top, mean. that's a top 10, top 12 third baseman, which starts in every league in fantasy baseball. And I think he's going to go very late in drafts, like past 200, probably this last coming into this last year, he was going around 300. So guys like that are, are guys that you can look at later on in drafts that again, sleeper potential end up up top 10 at the position. And it honestly kind of becomes a free pick at that point, taking somebody that late, that's going to end the year that well, like that, that's, that's what you want to target. And he showed, this last month of the season that he can do it. Yeah. Uh, and then the second thing that we kind of wanted to cover on this a little bit of a, I don't want to say hot button topic because it's fucking baseball. Uh, LA Taylor Cruz, the great divider of the fantasy baseball analysts this year. Uh, half of us love him. Half of us think he might be the most overrated prospect in the last 10 years. <laughs> Uh, you can find him graded out as widely as can be for next year already. Uh, some people have him as a bona fide can't miss first round pick for next year's fantasy baseball season. Uh, some people think he ends the year outside of the top 15 at third base, which is just nuts. I know how I feel about him. I'm curious how you feel about Ellie next year. I think he can be one of the best players in the game. He has all the tools. He's one of, if not the fastest player in the game. Uh, He can hit the ball as hard as anybody. He plays good defense. 
the tools are all there. He's shown he's, he has flashes. If he can, um, he just needs to work on the K rate. That's an obvious thing. And then um, get a better feel for those drag zone and cut his chase rate. Um, those are two big things. Mm-hmm. I think just not putting so much pressure on himself, letting his talent take over. Um, he's got a lot of dudes around him. He doesn't have to be a one-man show. Uh, yeah, no, I like Ellie going in the next year. We, yeah, I, I don't know what there's not to like. Do you lean more towards first round pick level of good or mm. do you lean more towards maybe somebody that might like, if he's there in the second, third, fourth round, you'd probably be more inclined. To you know, yeah, him. I getting me thinking about getting me <laughs> think about it like that. Probably the later round. Like, I, I don't know if I could pull the trigger in the first that that's with, where it's with what's get there because yeah we did see about a full season of ellie i don't think there was enough of a sample size or you know enough consistency for me to feel comfortable yeah. taking him in the first round but we've also seen it the opposite way too um ronald lacuna got healthy and he he was able to flip a lot of his numbers around, and he put together one of the best offensive seasons we've ever seen. That's what I mean. The ceiling and upside is through the roof. We don't know how far or how high it can go. It's just, are you willing to take on that risk? That's yeah. that's that's the million dollar question. Am I? Probably not. That's a really good way to put it. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm willing to take on that risk either, just because like first round pick. I like some consistency. Like I like a safe first round pick. Right. Uh, when I get to fourth, fifth, sixth round, I'll take on a little bit of that risk. That was like a jazz chism this year. I was going as a fourth round pick coming into this year. I ate pause. I was say I ate jazz chism up. <laughs> We're not going to say that. Uh, I, I took as many shares of jazz chism as I could get in the fourth round because I thought he had that first round upside. Now, the problem was he did what Jazz Chisholm does, and he got hurt like 12 times this year. Yeah, yeah. And it sucked, but he, he had a good run when he was healthy. So when he was healthy, he was worth it. But I like a safe first-round pick. And to take him over fringe first-rounders like Manny Machado, Pete Alonzo, guys like that, I don't know if I could do it. But I see <clears throat> the appeal there. Bobby Witt. Like with his ADP last season, would you feel would you feel comfortable with where he was taken last year? With where Bobby Witt went last year? Um Yes. I had Bobby Witt as my I'm trying to remember. That's kind of where I'm feeling it, you know, because I wasn't all too there with Bobby coming into this year. I picked Fernando Tatis mm-hmm. over him. Um I've seen what Fernando can do. It was just him staying on the field and not doing what he he does um what else he does that i mean that was it but bobby came out and showed he had a great year he had a fantastic year you could be getting that with ellie yeah if not more yeah exactly bobby witt is i i had bobby witt at i'm trying to remember i'm not trying to stall i swear i i had him as my number four Roughly, roughly into this year, I think, which right outside, that's, that's, right outside yeah, of the right out the side, the first going into the second. Like, I think, yeah, 
I think that's actually where I begin to feel comfortable. Now that we're kind of thinking it through, like pick 15 through 20. Yeah, that's probably where, yeah, that's probably my sweet spot. I, I'd probably take Ellie there too. Uh, like I had uh, interviewed Eric Cross last September. So before most of the world even knew who the fuck Ellie De La Cruz was. And we asked him uh, who who had the higher ceiling, Ellie De La Cruz or O'Neill Cruz. That was like peak O'Neill Cruz. O'Neill was the guy last year. Point. Right, right. And Eric Cross, uh, he now works for, he works for like a thousand different places. Rotoballer is one of them. He's the 2022 Fantasy Baseball Writer of the Year. He told me that his like top comp for Ellie De La Cruz is Alfonso Soriano. And Alfonso every time I watch good. Ellie play, I can kind of see it. The tools are there. I'm just a firm believer that Ellie needs to stop switch hitting. I know it sounds ridiculous. I understand that that's kind of the added appeal to Ellie De La Cruz is like, damn, look at all this power he's got from both sides of the plate. Which is fine, uh, but the problem is he kills right-handers, but against lefties, looking, when yeah. he's batting right-handed, he strikes out like 40% of the yeah. time, which is nuts. I think he hit one home run off of right-handers, two home runs. Two. Or sorry, two home runs off of lefties this year. That's yeah. it. Five extra base hits, hitting 185 off of them. I get that you want to be young and you want to be this amazing baseball player that can do it from both sides of the plate. But the problem is he's had enough of a sample size so far for me to see that he doesn't have the ability as a right-handed hitter to put up numbers against a major league pitching. Now as a lefty, he can rake. You get rake. That's his power side too. That's the power side. That's where the balls go far. Yeah, I don't see how he could be worse batting batting as a lefty against lefties than he is as a righty batting (laughs) against lefties. It honestly feels like it would probably just be a wash if he did both. Bunt against every lefty. He's so fucking fast, he could just yeah, he's there on every steps. single time. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think, I mean, I know the Reds are really enjoying their, their young core and kind of letting them develop together and play this exciting brand of baseball so they're not going to stop Ellie from batting switch as a switch hitter. But I really wish they would because I think, at least in the fantasy baseball world, that would help a ton. But yeah, French first rounder for Ellie, I think is a good consensus. We're going to, we'll dive into that more throughout the off season. But for those of you that stuck around, I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, if you could go ahead and hit that follow button, uh, whatever podcast platform you are listening. If you find us on YouTube, if you can hit that subscribe button and we always love five star ratings as well, since this is episode numero uno, Those go a long way to helping us jump up those podcast charts, which is what we are trying to do. Uh, Make sure you follow us on all of our socials. Uh, Majority of them are at fake baseball pod, P-O-D. Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, is at fake baseball. And you can find me on Twitter at Balake, B-U-H-H-L-O-C-K-A-Y-E. I'm Dylan, and you can find me on X at D-Lydell underscore zero nine. And we will catch you guys next time.